they're, they're going to get out. Yep. I, I don't think it should have probably been done on a Facebook page. That's, that's pretty idiotic. Um, I was a member of, of said group for a while. I'm, I'm not anymore. Um, right before I left, I saw, uh, some guys posting pictures of them signing their page 11s, uh, about being on the group and or what they had posted. So, right. um, it's, it's just, no, you shouldn't do that. You you shouldn't send nudes to yourself if you don't want them want them seen, especially the Marines. What are you thinking? What yeah. do you say? Trust them with your life, not your money, or your wife. What yeah. are they going to do with nude photos of you? Jesus, I mean, it just it wasn't smart. And I I thought it funny that the the wookiest wook of all, um, uh, baby arm. I can't remember her name now, but she was on there crying about the stuff that's happened to her, and she's made porn. So, I, I, it just it, it it's bad all the way around. But it, it all starts with don't don't do dumb stuff like send. Nude pictures. I'm not saying that they're, you know, women say, oh, well, just because I wear a, a low-cut shirt doesn't mean I want you looking down. Right, I get that. But if you send nude pictures of yourself to a Marine, he's going to share them with, with his friends probably. Yeah. Probably. Not always. Well, and there's there's a legal argument, I guess, there that there's a certain uh, consent that you give to someone to do what they want with it. You know, uh, I'm not saying that's right, right, you know, morally right, but that's just there is a, a, a legal you know the the idea legally is that once you le- let that out of your control, will- willfully, that person can do whatever they want with it unless there's some kind of contractual agreement to not do so. But uh, what do you think, Jeff? Well, uh, I'll quote uh, Rudyard Kipling, uh, who said, uh, "Single men in barracks don't grow into plaster saints," um, and and that, that's basically my take on the whole thing. Uh, you know, the the very idea that you you know, a bunch of guys, you know, trained and practiced in the application of violence, and then the world is somehow um, you know, shocked or surprised when, you know, that, that may make for some socially unacceptable tendencies. I I digress. But, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with what Justin said 100%. You know, if, if you don't want nudes of yourself online, don't put nudes of yourself out to go online. Yeah. What did you uh, – I'm – you, you guys can chime in on this if you want, but uh, I remember when I was in SOI, um, we had a, uh, a hog board in our barracks. Yeah. And uh, the idea was you go out and take pictures of women naked, and then you actually go to Walmart, print them off, and then bring them in and actually pin them to the actual board. Back in the days before there was Facebook and before it was so easy to get caught doing things like that. Uh, yeah. but, but as I understood it, the girls that were on the hog board, most of them knew exactly what they were taking the pictures for. Um, not and, and our hog board came down after two weeks whenever one of the ODs turned out to be female and walked into the barracks and saw it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was pretty much game over for that. Um, but uh, but yeah, that was that's a, that's a, a relatively common thing and a, and a known thing. And if you ask any infantry marine, at least from our era, they'll know what a hog board is, or maybe even yeah, a, we, a marine period. We we had a wall of shame up, you know, for every single deployment I've ever been on. You know, I mean. You know, Marine has nude photos of his chick. You know, chick breaks up with him, so then he posts the pictures up on the wall of shame. You know, that's uh, that's probably as old as photography itself. I'm I'm certain of it. Yeah, and if you've ever seen the movie Jarhead, which of course that whole story is 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 an urban legend about the wife sending the the video of her having sex with another guy. That's that's a common thing. And I mean, not to mention. The fact that I mean, there's I know of at least one Marine who uh, has a picture uh, floating around with his, asleep with his mouth open with a dick in his mouth. 
I mean, that, <laughs> that, I mean, that kind of thing happens too, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not a uh, uncommon uncommon thing, uh, or to like uh, you know uh, any kinds of you know who know who knows what. I saw a story before I came on. I didn't get a chance to read it. That was talking about the females pushing back against the misogynist culture or whatever. It's like, you know, we make we make sick jokes and have black twisted senses of humor because we live and train for dark twisted things. And the only way to cope with that on a human level is to have a a a, a twisted sense of humor about it. You know, um, so that's my take. No, oh, I I. I... I didn't have the the pleasure of I want to say the pleasure of being in an all all male unit. You know, I was I was in the air wing and we had females and I don't think anybody wanted to take pictures of of them anyways. <laughs> if they did, I I don't know whether I would have looked or not if there were pictures. But you know, we we still I, I think treated each other not too different than you all did. I didn't say necessarily the same things to the females that I would the men because it just gets it it can get misconstrued or can easily be taken out of context and it just it's just not worth it. But it is. It's 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 a cultural thing and, and there's nothing wrong with it as long as it stays in that culture. And I think when you the Marine Corps is, I don't want to say it's ruined now, but you you're putting women in these units now where it's not really misogyny, it's just it's mostly joking and I, I think you're you're gonna get a lot of hurt feelings and a lot of people in trouble over very innocent things. Yeah. I think it's... Mm. Yeah. You heard about two weeks ago, uh, you know, some of the first females to wind up in the, uh, the infantry units. Um, I, I, I want to say, actually, she's in an 81's platoon. Um, <laughs> she was uh, she was late for uh, accountability formation, and so the squad leader went down there and beat on her door, and she called the first sergeant and, and said that she felt like she was being harassed. Yeah. Who didn't see that coming? I yeah. Yeah, and and it's it's, and she said she was sick that she couldn't come to formation because she was sick. Yeah, that's that's what that's what it was. Yeah, she call, she was calling in sick, and then they came and uh, and beat on her door, and then she called the first sergeant and said that you know she felt harassed. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 getting out of control. Fortunately, the mad dog's in charge. Maybe he'll fix all that. Yeah. But uh, you know, it's it's just um, you know, it's like anything else. I think we've talked about this before, but if you take someone from the civilian world who's never been there and and just drop them right in the middle of, like, any Marine unit, whether it's infantry or air wing or whatever, and, you know, you listen to the way people talk to each other, it's going to sound weird. Anyway, so um, you'll probably get more into that later on once some, some more punishments get handed down and we can maybe you know, do a another summary of the aftermath of the whole thing. But... Um, also, uh, in the news, um, the president is crafting a foreign policy, and we're all trying to figure it out, um, and he bombed Syria, uh, like 59 cruise missiles, uh, last week, or earlier this week, I think, and then today he dropped a, uh, um, a mini-nuke on, uh, <laughs> Starship Trooper-style mini-nuke on, uh, on ISIS and Afghanistan, which doesn't, I didn't know there was ISIS in Afghanistan, but that's what the news said. Um, so, and I saw on Facebook, Jeff, uh, if you wouldn't mind uh, sharing this story, I saw you talking about an incident uh, where you guys dropped a JDAM in Afghanistan and uh, in the aftermath of that. Would you mind telling that story? 
Oh, yeah, sure. So we were in a, a place called uh, Nauzad. Uh, it was basically a, a town uh, in southern Afghanistan, uh, a little bit south of uh, Sengen. Uh, anyway, so uh, the place was totally deserted, and it was one of the few places um, in Afghanistan when there, there was actually a no-shit established fourth line of troops. We sit in our fob, and you know you could hear them, you know, changing of the guards at night. Anyway, uh, I digress. Uh, so there uh, were a bunch of mud huts and houses and stuff like that all around, and there was only one company in Nauzad proper, so we could, you know, push out and attack. Uh, and, and we did a lot, but we didn't have enough ass to actually hold the ground that we did attack. So you know, we went back to the fob at night and rinse and repeat. Um, so there was, uh, a, you know, a known area uh, where there were, you know, definitely uh, bad guys. And I think we had a B ones on station that day, and they dropped a J dam on this house uh, on this uh, Afghani mud hut. Uh, now, if you've never been to Afghanistan. It's the construction of the mud huts. I mean, they're the walls are easily two, two and a half feet, feet thick. I mean, they are substantial. Uh, so they, they dropped a, a J dam on this mud hut, and you know the two little guys jumped up out of the rubble. They're dusting themselves off, you know, high fiving, and then they, you know, jumped it back into a rat hole. Um, <laughs> yeah, and some some other, you know, mud hut. So it's like the Blues Brothers whenever uh, Carrie Fisher blew up the building, and they just climbed a bit, right, yeah, climbed right out of the bricks like nothing happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you know, I, I I have this image. First off, the Syrian thing. You know, I don't. Again, I I, I feel I'm just kind of mystified as to why we're putting our nose in that. But you know, whatever. Um, but the uh, the JDAM thing, I think it's cool. I mean, I understand. I'm I'm, I'm supportive of that war, uh, or of that uh, that mission there. Um, I just wonder what what was hit, what the impact was, what the uh, and you know, of course, what the long-term foreign policy goals here are. Uh, what do you think, Justin? Well, I love the idea of dropping dropping big bombs on little targets. I think it's I think it's great. Uh, apparently, it was a um, some tunnel system that we that we blew up in Afghanistan with the Moab. Which, whatever. I mean, if you just want a reason to drop bombs and make up reasons to drop bombs, I'm good with it. Yeah. Syria, I don't know. I, you know, we drew a red line in the sand a few years ago when Ding Dong was in office, and <laughs> they went ahead and. And crossed it, and we did nothing about it. Yeah. I, I don't know what Trump's long-term deal is, but I think at least if nothing else, as we keep said, hi, I'm not the last guy. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know beyond that, though. Yeah. What do you think about that, uh, Jeff? Well, uh, I did a little reading on the, uh, the the bomb that we dropped because I, I wasn't very familiar with it, and, and apparently it's the, the bomb is so big, it's something like you know, a ten and a half tons of of, uh, of HE, and it's not actually, it's the overpressure that kills you. So I mean, it's it's great for the tunnels and things. It's probably a world of difference than you know dropping a J dam on a mud hut. I, I, I hope so anyway. Um, as, as far as the uh, the Syria thing goes, uh, again, I you know I, I have to agree with Justin. Um, uh, you know, fifty nine. Uh, cruise missiles on one airstrip is probably more of a statement than any sort of strategic or, or you know, tactical, um, you know, goal being being met. Uh, it's probably just to say to the world, you know, like Justin said, you know, um, you know, I'm not afraid to pull the trigger and, and I'll do it 59 times. Yeah, I think uh, that... and, and, and I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, and, and, and I think that tone has already, you know, started to been been noticed. Uh, you know, with our 
uh, that carrier group, you know, steaming towards uh, Korea, you know, people are starting to notice, you know, oh, you know, shit, there are ships coming, and, you know, the guy will pull the trigger. Yeah, yeah, that's and that's the way I'm looking at it, you know, because um, I, I agree with most of what Trump said about, um, you know, entangling alliances and, 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 and being friends with people like the Russians and whatnot. But, uh, you know, the way, the way I think you have to look at it to understand it, I think, is that he's just throwing down the gauntlet for the next four years to show people who he is and that, you know, it, that he's not going to be you know, messed around with. That, like, we're going to, we will, like Justin said, and like, you know, like a lot of the, the popular media, or the conservative media, I should say, pro-Trump media, is saying, you know, the idea is that we set these deadlines and red lines and, and we tell them not to do stuff, and they shouldn't do it. And if they do do it, then we blow them up. <laughs> but, um, but you know, as far as bombing Syria, you know, I, I'm not sure. I, I think maybe as a single statement, maybe, but I tend to think that as a sovereign entity, you know, um, I, I, I don't know what we're doing, sticking our noses in people's civil wars, personally. Mm. Um, you know, I think that's that's problematic. Um but again, as, if we can view it as a singular incident, a singular statement, sort of like what Reagan did with Libya and uh, Lebanon back in the 1980s, uh, if we can view it in that context, sort of like that, I think you know I can I can let it slide. I, I'm a little concerned about the about face on NATO because I think NATO is probably obsolete, um, and um, Trump always said that, and I always kind of liked that about him. But now he's kind of doing an about face on that and saying that uh, no, NATO's great. Let's keep it. So I guess we'll see where where the future takes us uh, on that. Um, hmm. I, I, I have a we're... question. Oh, go ahead. I, I was. I don't know that we're really sticking our nose in serious civil war. I mean, we have been funding the rebels, yeah. so we're kind of kind of vested anyways. I mean, we're de facto at war with Russia because they support Assad. Yeah. I mean, it's something that needs to be resolved. Whether we completely pull out and say "have at it" or come yeah. to some sort of conclusion, but something needs to be done, some way, shape, or form. I'd rather go with uh, the first thing you said, just uh, withdraw sure. and just let them all have at it. Um, you know, I mean, I, I don't know why we can't just let them resolve it themselves. But what were we going to say, Jeff? Oh no, I just had a question. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of speak, especially on the Rand Paul site, uh, about the constitutionality of uh, you know Trump bombings uh, Syria. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not a, a big constitutional scholar, but I was under the impression that, you know, under the War Powers Act, he had 90 days basically to do whatever he wanted to do. Yeah. Is, is that not the case? Or? You know, I'm not, I'm not an expert. I'm, I am a lawyer, but I'm not, I'm not an expert on the War Powers Act. As I understand it, and as I've heard conflicting accounts of that, um, the Constitution grants uh, power to the president's commander-in-chief. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, Presidents have interpreted that different ways. Uh, Nixon bombed Cambodia without any permission, and you know uh, uh, Clinton bombed uh, you know Yugoslavia with no congressional authority to do so. Mm -hmm. um, so you know I think that I think I tend to think that Rand Paul's reading is is accurate, but on the other hand, you have to think that if we're actually going to shock and all of them and surprise them and catch them in their bunkers and hit their chemical weapons, we can't be sitting around debating to doing it in Congress. Right. You know, so it's kind of I think it's a it's a tough balance to strike, and maybe it's healthy that it's that it is kind of ambiguous and 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 that there's people out there like Rand Paul and Thomas Massey to kind of uh, you know hold their feet to the fire over that. But you know I'm not 
uh, Rand Paul was saying something, I think Earl Massey, one of them was saying something about the War Powers Act limiting presidential authority with, without congressional uh, the president's military powers without congressional authority to three circumstances, and I can't remember what they are off the top of my head. I think they were all involving national emergencies, mm-hmm. uh, and you know I think that they've they've been invoked different ways. Um, I don't know. It's a good question. I tend to think we ought to be uh, declaring war, or um, or you know the Constitution allows us to grant letters of mark and reprisal, which we don't haven't done in probably 200 years. Um, which I think would be actually a good thing. It'd be kind of cool, I think. You know, have pirates out there, you know, sailing around <laughs> trying to doing doing our work for us, but uh, or privateers or whatever. But um, anyway, I don't know. It's a uh, it's, it's it's sticky, and I guess we'll probably see what's going to happen soon, especially if North Korea pops off. Uh, we'll know Trump has big giant balls if he attacks North Korea. Um, uh, <sighs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and either, I mean, you know, because that is poking the bear in more ways than one. And actually, we've already so, sort, of, we sort of poked him already a little bit. It, and, and, you know, going back to the Syria thing, I mean, I don't see where the where the line is. I mean, we've been droning the fuck out of them for, you know, years, you know, them in Yemen also. Uh, and, you know, probably about three weeks ago, there was that, that raid on that dam uh, in, in Syria, I mean, we actually, it was supported on the ground by, uh, by that Mew, or whatever Mew's over there. And I want to say, yeah, uh, Marsoc, uh, did a raid and, you know, there were, you know, paratroopers there too. So, I mean, uh, you know, there are, you know, literally American boots on the ground in Syria taking over that dam. You know, why, why the red flag for 59 cruise missiles? That's a really good point. You know, and they have, uh, I saw that, that the, that they were firing on like artillery or whatever, like the, yeah. The, yeah. And also, not to mention that we have, we have, uh, you know, the, in his like third day in office, there was that seal that was killed in Yemen. Yemen, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have troops everywhere. What's the big, I mean, isn't it better to send cruise missiles than troops? I would think. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm with <laughs> you. Well, and a Green Beret was killed the day before the, uh, uh, the Moab was dropped in Afghanistan too. Yeah, and that's and that's oh. and that, again. I think it's kind of sending a message that when American lives are lost, people are going to pay, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. and we'll kind of see how it all shakes out. I'm not. Uh, I think I'm politically astute, but I don't pretend to be a foreign policy expert or anything. Um, we're going to take a break real quick, and we'll be right back. You are listening to the Bellow Woodsman, celebrating everything Marine Corps from the serious to the absurd. This podcast is powered by Simplecast. Please like and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Bellow Woodsman and send us your thoughts and reactions via email at thebellowwoodsman at gmail.com. Now, on with the show. And we're back. Um, so, um, to turn things to a slightly lighter subject, um, I think one of the all, one of the ongoing debates, um, I think maybe the greatest debate among the the uh, Marine Corps veteran community is, of course, the East Coast West Coast thing. But be, moving beyond that, um, I guess the I've always been interested in the Marines' opinions on what the best duty stations were, and hearing their kind of recollections of places and what what appealed to them the most. Um, and so I kind of asked you guys to think about what you all thought the best duty station in the Marine Corps was. Um, and you know, 
I'm not asking you to come up with like a, a, a top five list or whatever, unless you did, and that's that's cool too. But um, I guess uh, what about you, you Justin? What would you, what would you say is the the best one or the the best ones in your opinion? The the two that I loved the most, I loved Pensacola. It, it, it's a naval base, but it that's where we send all of our uh, aviation guys to school. Um, it's a it's a really really old air station which is really neat. The Blue Angels are there, obviously, at their home. Um, all the barracks are brand new. Every, everything's, everything was really new when I got there, but it still had old, like the, uh, the PX was an old World War II hangar that they, that they made into the PX. So you had the really old feeling um, with, with really modern, like our, our, um, our school was an old hangar that had old aircraft in it. Um, you're right on the water. You're an hour and a half, two hours from Panama City. I mean, it was, it was absolutely fantastic being there, but um, Miramar was also very nice. I mean, you get southern, sunny Southern California, um, and it had been new barracks had been built um, when the Navy was there right before the Marine Corps took over, so everything was still relatively new. And we were across the street from the golf course, which meant at night we could go steal the golf carts and drive them around the barracks truck. <laughs> yeah. I'd say almost anywhere in Southern California is going to be going to be up there. I always thought, you know, of the all the ones I went to, um, <clears throat> it, it, they all have their appeal. Like I, I think that Camp Pendleton to me was I always had the best memories of Camp Pendleton. I think it had the best facilities overall. Um, now it's a big base, and you know it's kind of it's kind of hard to, to choose that. I, I would also go with uh, Camp Hansen, or I'm sorry, not Camp Hansen. Um, what's the big one in Okinawa? Foster. Yeah. Foster. Yeah, Camp Foster. I had a great time in Camp Foster. Um, I never went to the hooking jab, uh, but I did have a great time. I thought that the uh, kind of the culture and the the personnel and all that stuff was was real cool. The uh, all the um, they had a great mall there. We had all kinds of uh, Japanese doodads and whatnot for sale. Uh, what about you, Jeff? Uh, well, to quote my first sergeant, the two best duty stations in the Marine Corps are your last one and your next one. Hmm. Uh, but no, uh, my two favorite ones. I, to be an infantry marine, there's no better place to be stationed than 29 Palms. Um, you can go, you can go in the backyard and blow anything up. Um, aside from that, uh, my favorite place, Paris Island. Um, it's, mm -hmm. you know, I, I love the Low Country. I love the whole Beaufort area. Um, it's very much not a military town to have three bases right there. You got the Naval Air Station, uh, the you know Paris Island, and the Marine Corps Air Station. Um, but it's, it's just a neat little place and it's right, you know, uh, equilocated between or equidistant between, um, Charleston and Savannah. So you can't go wrong going either way. Uh, so remember, those are my top two. I remember getting off the bus in, Twin, in Paris Island when I was, you know, being yelled at and all that. And, you know, we went through the forming and all that crap and we were marching over to the chow hall, marching quote unquote to the chow hall. And I remember looking over and like the looking over the parade deck and the, the wind was blowing all the palm trees and I was like this place is really really beautiful like it really mm -hmm. is like it was a uh, it's I could I could see myself living there if they didn't have spiders that were so big um, yeah. but uh, but I, I do love that part of the uh, part of the country um, and 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 actually I I I wanted to say twenty nine palms but I'm afraid that what's happening in my head is that I'm 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 placing a higher regard on the place. Because I've been away from there from so long, and I had such good memories of there with my friends. Um, but once I got off 
once I got out of the Marine Corps, I couldn't wait to get out to Wayne Palm, so I'm not sure if it's just in hindsight it was better than it really was or, or what. But uh, it was a... Oh, it, it, it absolutely sucks. I mean, you know, I was there, I was there with you in, in uh, 3-7, you know, went to Paris Island and went back to 29 Palms to 2-7. It's a terrible place, but there's, there's no better place for training. Uh, you know, live fire ranges, I mean, you know, people come from all over the world to come training there. So. Yeah. yeah, that was... And that was something else that was cool about it was you get to see, uh, if you go to Camp Wilson especially, you can meet all kinds of international characters, you know. Um, yeah, so the, Justin, when, do you, um, the other day I was just flipping channels and I saw Independence Day was on. Which, yes. Uh, and they have that, that's supposed to be El Toro. Um, right. How long was El Toro closed before you got in? Uh, just a couple years they closed El Toro and Tustin uh, at the same time and moved, Tustin's in Orange County and Apparently, nobody like who lived in Orange County knew there was a Marine Corps base there. I grew up there. There's huge. There's blimp hangers from World War II there, giant, and nobody knew the base was there. They said they said that was the the best kept secret in the Marine Corps. But it was it wasn't but a few years. I think three, two three years before I got there, and they had closed and combined all of them down into Miramar. And the aliens came and destroyed it. Right, um, right, right after that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, like. And on the flip side, I guess, I would say the worst place I was ever stationed or that I ever spent any time at, I'd say probably Yuma or Camp Lejeune. Um, Camp Geiger, I should say. Camp Geiger. Yeah, oh. Camp Geiger and then uh, uh, Yuma. The Chow Hall was good. It was okay. It was okay. It, uh, it, it, was, it was hard to – the place was had so little, rede- so, so little to redeem it that I think, like, you could taste sadness in the food. Uh, mm. you, you had to walk over to a uh, news station to get Wendy's, you know, and I didn't have a car. Maybe if I had a car, it would have been better. Uh, I remember back then they had a place right off base called Bada Bing or Bada Booms, and they had free beer and no cover charge. It was a strip club. Um, so you walk in and drink free beer all night, and they made their money, it turns out, uh, selling blowjobs, basically. Um, now, not, I'm not, I didn't partake in that, of course. But what's funny is that some Marines would go out there and use fake IDs and get busted drinking uh, by, like, the, uh, the the bar itself. And then the bar owners would make them come back and do free work for them or else they would report them to their commands. So, huh. blackmail. Awesome. What kind of work? <laughs> uh, like, you know, cleaning up and, you know, maintenance free stuff. Blowjobs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and handing out blowjobs. <laughs> to the... To the uh, in the closet clientele, you know. Then I still tell the still a big thing. Um, yeah. What about worst for you guys? Uh, shoot. Um, God, I, I haven't been to a bad one. I, I, I mean, I mean, there's Camp Geiger. I mean, but I was only there for you know SOI, and then you know, uh, yeah, just SOI. So, I mean, yeah, I was I was only I, mean, I was only Yuma for for like a, a few days. So yeah. I guess that doesn't really count either. I mean, pe- people hate on Camp Schwab, but I mean, I have enjoyed my time on Camp Schwab. I mean, I, I was in the Dickey Barracks overlooking Hinoko Bay mm-hmm. on the third floor. I mean, you know, yeah. people—that's a million-dollar view, dude. It's a tropical um, paradise. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I didn't—I didn't mind Okinawa. Uh, I mean, you know, granted, I was only there for six months, but yeah. Well, uh, in, my, in my camp, Camp Fuji in the mainland, they had to, um, like, I had a good time there. Uh, the the worst thing about Camp Fuji was at the time, you know, everywhere didn't take debit cards, and you had to walk like literally like three miles to get to the ATM. Oh, that's true. And, yeah. ho- and hope that it wasn't out of cash, you know. Yeah, that <laughs> uh, that sucked. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Justin? Worst one? 
New River, North Carolina. Okay. Um, the only redeeming quality was that Myrtle Beach was two hours south. Yeah. But our barracks had been condemned three times. <laughs> um, we were scraping mold off the walls every Thursday night. It just it was it was ridiculous. The ceilings were falling in. There's nothing there. That whole whole Jacksonville, North Carolina, is the armpit of the world. There's nothing. <laughs> now they put a Hooters in since I've been gone. It's still not worth going back to. That place is atrocious. Yeah, there's too much. It's too much marine. Yeah. Plus, you know, New River was attached to Camp Geiger. There's no border whatsoever, so there's just constantly new stinky people every week coming and going. It just it was it wasn't good. I, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. That was that was the worst for me. I think that the the bad thing about Jacksonville is that it takes like a great little southern town and turns it into a marine town, and it just doesn't yeah. work. You know, um, it ruins it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's why everyone lives in Wilmington that that uh, that works there. Yeah, um, that's where we used to go. We get out of school, we'd drive an hour down to Wilmington to just. Not be in Jacksonville. Yeah. I remember when I'm Palms, I used to actually go out on the weekends and just get a hotel room in Palm Springs and just uh, sit in a hotel room for like 24 hours with no one, just quiet. And uh, <laughs> that was nice. But uh, anyway, <laughs> go ahead. No, yeah, I've, I've met your platoon. Sometimes you need to get some quiet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they were, uh, and, you know, we had... And I lived with the people I lived, the guys I lived with. I mean, I love those guys. I mean, I would do anything for them. But good lord, I mean, <laughs> good lord. So uh, stab, stab, stab. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, like the we were talking the other day about uh, one of my friends was in town that I was in the Marines with, and we were talking about how how often like people would just stumble into the room and vomit on the floor, like you know, ugh, just, yeah, it, that would get old fast. <clears throat> but uh, Anyway, we'll uh, have more of the discussion later. I'll say that every time, and, and we'll probably do it eventually. Um, so that really wraps up that discussion. Um, do we have a memorial moment from Justin? We have a memorial moment. I was hoping to do this back in February. I was thinking we were going to talk about Iwo Jima a little bit, but since we didn't, uh, tonight we're going to remember John Bassalone. Uh, I was a gunner sergeant in the Marine Corps during World War II. He received uh, the Medal of Honor. Uh, for what he did in the Battle of Guadalcanal. I mean, we're talking about a badass here. Him and two other guys held off 3,000 Japanese soldiers with a couple of machine guns. I mean, absolutely incredible. And then he, he went back stateside and then came back, uh, to the war in the Pacific, which was just bloody as all get out. And he, uh, he ended up dying at the bow, uh, Battle of Iwo Jima. And he was, uh, posthumously awarded the, uh, the Navy Cross for, for his actions there. I mean, Gunny Bastelon was, a uh, was an awesome guy. He was born in Buffalo, New York, and they still celebrate his birthday every year. So he would have been 101. Wow. Uh, would have been turn, yeah, would have turned 101 this year. This year. So here's you, uh, Manila Barcelona. <laughs>